Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. So I think the first step uh, in tackling money anxiety is being very clear on, you know, what is it that you really need to live a comfortable life? What is that number? What does that look like? Let's say on a monthly basis, annualize that and then figure out, okay, what is the income need to support that? Um, And and I feel like for some reason, because we're so fearful of money, it's sort of a psychological thing. We don't want to look under the covers in some ways. Um, But I feel that once you do that, it gives you a lot of clarity. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Rakuten helps you be a smarter shopper and save money on just about everything. 
People all have things they need to buy, whether it's home essentials or a self-care treat just for you. With Rakuten, you get cash back on clothes, groceries, travel, and much, much more. Even better, you can stack cash back on top of other deals like store sales and credit card points. In case you're wondering, the stores on Rakuten are the ones you know and love, and lots of cool ones waiting to be discovered, including Target, Lowe's, and Nike. When it comes to savvy shopping and saving money, Rakuten is a no-brainer. It's free and easy to join. Just go to Rakuten.com now or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. A new year brings on new hopes and goals and ideas and thoughts about how you want to make this your best year ever. But it's not always easy to stick to all those promises you make yourself each day. There are distractions, stress, fear, doubt, all sorts of emotions that come into play. And then there's money, that big old 800-pound gorilla. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that money touches every aspect of life. However, the tricky part is that money can't be everything and your only source of happiness. The magic is in finding a delicate balance. That's why I was so excited to have our guest, Vish Chatterjee, on the show, Bish is an accomplished business leader turned executive coach and the author of a book called The Business Casual Yogi, Take Charge of Your Body, Mind, and Career. What I wanted to know from Vish was how do you find a balance between money, happiness, honoring your passions, and your spirituality? So we're diving deep into this question so you can learn how to go from unbalanced to balanced in your life, money, and career and make this year, yes, truly your best year yet. So let's start talking. Vish, I am so thrilled to have you join us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to be on this show, uh, Shauna, especially you, it's titled Everyone's Talking Money, and I do love talking money. So this is a great, <laughs> great opportunity to have a conversation about money. Well, you're in good company, Vish, because yes, we, we love to talk about money on this show. And there's so many subjects I want to dive into with you. And you know, we're in the new year, we're, we're trying to figure out how to do everything better. And I think part of that is, is how do we get, you know, better control of ourselves, better control of our financial lives? How do we just feel better? And the last few years for us has been has been really tough, right? COVID, the political climate around the world, we've got high costs of inflation everywhere, just costing us more shake up in the workforce. And like, we're all just kind of reexamining what we do and who we are. And there are so many distractions and stress. And we already know money is is pretty much the number one cause of stress. And it's it's just hard to find space to breathe and relax. So you have this really interesting story of, of how you went from what you call yourself an engine engineer, which is really interesting too, now a meditation yoga expert. And you really, you help people deconstruct their lives in order to just build a healthier, more balanced life and career. So we're going to dive into your journey and your approach in a bit, but just I want to just start with money and stress, probably something that we're all familiar with. You know, how do we first recognize if money stress or money fears, how do we recognize if they're causing us an imbalance in our lives? I think um, I think a lot of times it's a question of clarity. I, I, I work with, um, you know, clients on a one-on-one basis as an executive coach and as a as sort of a life advisor. And you know, when, when somebody comes to my office and presents with money stress and money challenges, and they have this sort of this anxiety, when you're in that state of anxiety and fear on money, you don't want to look under the cover. <laughs> you don't want to pull up and see <laughs> what's really going on. And, but in an executive coaching situation, that's the question I'll ask is let's see what's really going on here. And oftentimes I'll, you know, get out the whiteboard and I'll say, okay, let's just write down everything going on in your life when it comes to money. And it turns out that a lot of times when there's money stress, there isn't clarity about how how people's expenses really look. So I'll have people start writing down, like, what do you spend your money on? What are your monthly expenses? And they'll start going through this exercise. And, you know, a lot of times they'll say, well, I need this much income to survive. And when they write down all the things that they actually spend money on, we start crossing off the things that aren't really, really needed. It turns out that they actually have the means to support their true goal and their true lifestyle. It's just, they haven't looked at the, looked under the covers, under the hood, so to speak. So I think the first step uh, in tackling money anxiety is being very clear on 
you know, what is it that you really need to live a comfortable life? What is that number? What does that look like? Let's say on a monthly basis, annualize that and then figure out, okay, what is the income you need to support that? Um, and, and I feel like for some reason, because we're so fearful of money, it's sort of a psychological thing. We don't want to look under the covers in some ways. Um, but I feel that once you do that, it gives you a lot of clarity. And in my younger days, when I was, you know, in my early twenties, I kept very detailed, like spreadsheets of what I would spend. And I remember my, my wife was, would get so annoyed. She's like, why do I have to enter every single <laughs> spreadsheet? I'm like, you have to, you have to. And so every time we'd spend anything, I'd have a receipt and I'd enter it in. And so at any given time, I knew exactly what I was spending my money on. And I could create all these like sophisticated pie charts and be like, okay, this is where we're spending our money. Do we really want to do it that way? And so always having that clarity, that awareness of what's really going on, I think is very important. Yeah. And we, we were talking a little bit before we hit the record button that um, you actually, you know, a little bit about your money story. And I, I want you to fill in some of the blanks, but, you know, you, you set yourself up to be able to really, you know, explore your passions and have this life you want to live. You, you're an author of the book called The Business Casual Yogi. And it's all about taking, you know, charge of your, your body, your mind and your career. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, thinking about going from a place of unbalance to a place of of balance even just you know bringing in a little bit of your of your history here of your your money story you know what are some of the ways that we can really work to find this balance between our money our happiness and then our passions in life well i think you know i think the 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 first time you get an influx of money right so let's say you get a bonus at work or you get a a, a pay rise or a, an increase in your salary the choice that you make after that is sort of an indicator of how things will go. And so I remember that I would get a promotion or I'd get an increase in my salary or I'd get a bonus. And I would really question, what am I going to do with that increased money? And there's this euphoria that comes where you're like, wow, look at this. I all of a sudden got this much more <laughs> my paycheck. And you're like, okay, I want to go buy this or I want to go buy that or I want to, you know, treat myself. And I think I think it is good to reward yourself. I think it's important to, you know, if you reward yourself when you do get a a pay bump or or a bonus, you reward yourself, it gives you this muscle memory that feels good, that incentivizes you to keep working. But you have to do it within reason. Give yourself a treat, give yourself a reward, but take that excess money that is now new from what you had before and start investing that, start doing something with that. And it's the long game that makes a difference, right? So Every time I get a little bit more money, either in a salary increase, a new job or a bonus, I take a little bit of it, treat myself, maybe a nice dinner out or maybe a nice new gadget or whatever. But the majority of it would go into investing. And, you know, after 25 years of investing, that becomes pretty significant capital that all of a sudden gives you choices to do very different things in life. So I know that, you know, most people are like, what's the short game? What can I do? What's this hot stock that I can invest in? Um, you know, that works for a few people, right? And, and they boast about their stories of how successful they were. But for the majority of us, it's a long game. It's a slow game. Like you, you got your uh, financial cert- uh, planner certification. You understand like it's the long game, the slow, diligent investing that really makes a difference over time. So anytime you get a little extra money, take some of it, treat yourself, but take the majority of it and do something with it that helps you in the long term. I like that a lot. I like the idea of balance because I feel like I know I've been very guilty of this myself of not having balance. <laughs> and I know what it feels like on both ends and you know for for myself and my husband, you know, finding this balance between our work and our life together. It's been a bit of a struggle going back to, you know, as we say BC before COVID. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um you know, the last couple of years really just made us realize as individuals as an couple that we really wanted to just shake up our lives. And really part of that shakeup was to to build a, a happier life. We moved from LA to the, we call them the healing mountains of Asheville, North Carolina. And, mm. you know, you're in, you're in this business of helping people find their path in their life and help them forge a new path. And you call it um, capital Y, Y and you, you know, really getting back to you. So I'd love to just spend a little bit of time and break down. You've got this six-point coaching approach, if we could, and and just kind of break down each of these different six points. I want to start with 
number one, and it really is, I think, so powerful for so many of us, and that is getting clear on the root of the matter. How do we do this? Like, how do we find our the, the foundation, the root? Mm. So, so even before the the sixth point, there's there's a, a chapter in my book uh, where I write about uh, a Vedic philosophy. So, so y- the yoga traditions is not just stretching on the mat, right? So, so yes, in, in America, you go to a yoga studio, you do these twists and stretches, you put your body in these certain positions, and they call that yoga. But that's actually a very small piece of it. There's an entire philosophy and system that underpins the entire system. And, and you know, the yoga practice on the mat is just one piece of a much more complex system. So within that more complex system, there's a philosophy called the Vedic philosophy. And within it, they describe that we have four aims in life. And those four aims are known as artha, kama, dharma, and moksha. There's sort of four different areas of life that need to be balanced. Artha is your financial well-being. So finding a way to do something that earns you money, to give yourself a financial platform, a roof over your head, enough money to enjoy the things you want to enjoy in life, buy yourself some nice things here and there, but also give you the platform for the other things. Mm-hmm. The other one is kama, which is having fun, right? So you do have to have fun in life, enjoy, you know, uh, passionate romantic relationships, marriage, going out for a nice meal, going out on a nice holiday, all of those things fall, fall under kama. Then dharma is honoring your higher platform, your higher, your, your, your higher calling in life your higher calling, what is it that you're really here to do? And so, and then finally, the, the, the fourth one is moksha, which is your spiritual practices. So you have to do all four in balance. And what happens in the Western world is you just pick one. You got people who are like hardcore spiritual practitioners and they forget about everything else. You get hardcore hedonists that just have fun and, and all they think about is fun and partying, but they don't have their life in order. Or other people who just work and work and work and all they think about is making money and, and saving money, but they don't have any fun at all, right? And so we want to find a way to balance all four of these. So when you talk about that first point in coaching, getting to the root of the matter, the root is, what are you really here to do? What is your, your deeper passion? What is your inner calling? But that may not be the way you earn your money. Ooh. You may earn money a different way in something that is just work to pay the, to, to earn, but that work then provides you a f- platform, a financial platform to then honor your inner calling. So not all of us are so lucky where our job pays for, in, in a way, our job is our inner calling. That's very rare. Sometimes you have to have a job that just pays the bills and gives you the time and the financial space to then follow your inner calling. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I was just talking about this at dinner the other night, how I started this podcast back in 2015. And at that time, I was a working financial planner. But, Mm. um, you know, I could do that really well. I could put together an amazing financial plan. But it wasn't creative enough for me. I have a, a strong creative desire. And the podcasting was just something that I love, like it just feels so innately me, but there were many years where I did the show and I was like, I don't know if I should keep doing this because it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. You know, it's something that I love doing, but it certainly wasn't providing any income or a paycheck or anything like that. And so I thought, well, do I keep this up? Because this is what I really want to do, but I don't have no evidence that it's actually going to move me in that direction. But you know, I, I followed that just uh, intuition inside of me that no, like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And, you know, it was really somewhere around 2019, 2018, 2019, where I started to see the fruits of my labor take off. But honestly, if, you know, it didn't become my full time job, it still was something that I really love doing. And I think so many of us listening can relate to that. You know, there's all this messaging around follow your passions and, your passion will suddenly provide you a paycheck. But, you know, what you're saying is the reality is that doesn't always happen. But but it is so important to have something in life that you're passionate about. Yeah. And, and, and I think that whole ideal of follow your passion, make your passion your primary income is this impossible goal that ends up making people feel very depressed about their work. Right. So if you have a job that you don't really enjoy and it's not your passion, then you start to get really frustrated with that work. But I think we have to realize that, look, there's a complete sort of 
balanced system here. And some, for most people, 99% of people, you're going to work in a type of work that is sort of fun, sort of okay, not, not perfect, not perfectly aligned to your passions, but it provides you the income and it provides you the platform to then indulge in your true passions and creativity. And you want to indulge in your passions and your true calling in a way that isn't um, being disturbed with income needs and income requirements, right? Your financial planning work allowed you to have a platform to indulge in your true passion, which was the podcasting. Now you ended up being one of those lucky few where the two merged and now you're able to do your passion work and earn from it. But it doesn't always work out that way. And I think it's we, we should be forgiving of ourselves if they two don't align. And I think there's this real message. I mean, I grew up in a family where there was a lot of focus on perfectionism and there was a lot of focus on making money. And I interpreted that, that if I was not making money at something, it was not I don't know, as important. And whatever I was making money on, I had to be the best, the absolute best. And so there were many years where I didn't really indulge in any passions. It's funny when I'm kind of dating myself here, but when Mm. the Food Network happened, started, uh, I started watching these cooking shows and I was like, oh my gosh, like I can do that. I love to cook, you know? And so for me, cooking is something where it's a big stress relief. And, and, you know, if I could do it, every day, if I allowed myself to do it every day, it's something I really love. I'm not ever going to turn into a chef or have a food career. But, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, like, for so many of us listening, you know, specifically being in this new year, I'm not, I'm not even sure the question I'm trying to ask, but, you know, how do we allow ourselves to explore passions and not attach income or you know, life meaning to it necessarily, but just have it be something that that fulfills us on, on you know, all of those four levels you're talking about. I think the way to think about it is is in terms of health and wellness, right? So, you know, you, you go, you know, some people go to the gym to work out, some people go for a run, some people do their meditation practice, some people do their yoga practice. There's no payout at the end of that. You're just you're doing it as a daily practice or a weekly practice to keep your overall well being and health. And so in the same way, as you indulge in your body from a nutrition point of view, from an exercise point of view, and you indulge your mind in a meditation from a meditation point of view, indulging your passions is part of well-being. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work, and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. So if you make a regular effort to do a little bit of the things that you're passionate about, and sometimes they're noble passions, right? Like, okay, cooking or being creative or art. Sometimes they're not so noble. Maybe it's watching a guilty pleasure on TV, right? It may be your passion. (laughs) Okay. But indulging in that sort of, sort of happiness, things that make you happy on a regular basis is part of your well-being. It's part of health maintenance is the way I think about it. Um, So even if it doesn't earn money, it doesn't matter. It is giving you a sense of well-being and a sense of happiness. Just feeling that feeling, exercising that muscle of joy and happiness and being in a flow state is part of your well-being. (laughs) Uh, I I, want to talk a little bit about meditation and yoga, dig a little bit deeper here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a a big fan of meditating. Uh, My husband and I have been doing it for a few years now. Um, I know it's certainly not a cure-all, but it does really help to tame money and life stress. You know, for those listening that are new to meditation, help us out here. Like, what is it, you know, and how can it help us with our money, our stress, our fears, finding balance, all of those things? Well, I think, um, you know, from, from a yoga perspective, you know, the, the yogic, let's say yoga anatomy looks at us as these three levels of being, a body, a subtle body, and a causal body, so to speak. So your body is your what you see, right? Your, your muscles, your bones, your joints, your skin, your circulatory system, all of that, right? So we take care of that in various ways, nutrition, moving our body, exercising. Then there's a subtle body, which is where our emotions and our mind uh, resides. We don't know where that is, right? If I say, you know, hey, Sean, a point to your mind, you can't really, you don't really know where it is, right? <laughs> Um, but it's a subtle body. And it's a part of our being. And our mind is where a lot of things break down, right? Our mind gets into all sorts of drama and emotions. And, you know, the market goes down and we start to panic and start to pull our investments out. As you know, as a financial planner, a lot of times it's trying to get somebody to get out of their head for long-term financial planning. But then there's a part of our being, there's our deeper consciousness. You could call it our soul, our higher self, our inner self, our inner being, our inner wisdom, our consciousness, whatever that is. And that inner being is usually a lot wiser than the mind. It's, it's got a certain understanding of the bigger picture. And if we can tap into that inner consciousness, we can make much better decisions. So what happens when you're meditating is in a state of meditation, when you sit in a formal sitting meditation practice, you transcend your body, you transcend your mind, and you access that higher consciousness. So if you have a daily meditation practice, you're daily tapping into this higher level of consciousness of yours. And so what happens is your intuition starts to improve. And naturally, throughout the day, you start to make better decisions from a higher place. So that is sort of the science behind why meditation has the 
you know, miraculous effects it has. But at a minimum, if you, if you're not into the yogic perspective of it, at a minimum, a meditation practice is every time your mind wanders, you're coming back to the object of your meditation. So whatever type of meditation you do, it doesn't matter. Your mind wanders, you're trying to come back to the meditation. And so what happens, you start to develop this practice of coming back to the goal of yours, right? So the same thing happens then in your day-to-day life is you get off track of your goal, you come back to goal. You get off track of goal, you come back to goal. So when I coach people and I help them set goals and they ask me, okay, Vish, how do I get, how do I stick on goal? I'd sell it, well, start meditating, right? Because as soon as you start meditating, that's a daily practice of coming back to goal. And as a byproduct of meditation, you start to become more resilient. So I, I wish there was data on this, but I assume when the market drops, the meditators are the ones that stay the course, right? There's an interesting article that came out last week about uh, Fidelity Bank, and they noticed that some of their best pro- performing portfolios are people who have passed away, but they didn't realize had passed. The bank didn't realize so there's nobody calling up and saying, hey, make this change the investment. The, the portfolio is invested in the market with no mind coming and saying, okay, pull out, sell, buy. All They just left it, right? The person has passed away. Fidelity then looks at those accounts, realizes the person's passed away, but they also realize in that time, the portfolio actually performed better than the people who are calling in all the time, complaining about, you know, whatever, the, yeah. the market. So the... The more we can get out of our own way, the better we actually do in the long run. And meditation is one of those practices that helps us get beyond our mind, so to speak. That's fascinating. I would I would love that data too. <laughs> I, I would hope that exists somewhere. Uh okay, Vish. So I get the idea of like coming back, coming back to goal and how meditation helps us do that. Um, I've practically seen that work for me. Um mm. But I, I'm wondering also, are there right or wrong ways to meditate? And, you know, what if we don't always have a lot of time to meditate on a daily basis? Can we still reap these these rewards of, of bringing our brains kind of into this, you know, higher place? Yeah, so so there's a lot of confusion around meditation, um, you know, especially in the Western world. There's all sorts of, you know, gimmicky, exciting, cool, trendy ways to meditate, but the basic system of meditation, you know, originally originates from the yoga tradition, right? So, so yoga, the physical yoga practice was actually a way to prepare the body for deeper states of meditation. And so the yoga system has these very specific requirements around how to meditate. And one of the requirements is that you're sitting, that you're sitting with your spine straight. Uh, so, you know, people who are lying down and trying to meditate, that's a relaxation technique. That's not a meditation technique. So one requirement is you have to be sitting with your spine straight so the energetic channels are aligned in the right way. The other very important thing, it's the Sanskrit word is pratyahara. Pratyahara means a withdrawal of the senses. So your eyes should be closed, for one. And, and some people, for whatever reason, have a hard time closing their eyes, but you have to have your eyes closed to meditate. You can't be smelling things. You can't be tasting things. You can't be hearing things. And so most of the time when you're meditating, your eyes are closed. You're not smelling things. You're not tasting things. But oftentimes people are using a guided meditation. And as that voice is entering your ear through your earphones or through the speaker, your brain is actually processing that auditory stimulus. So the brain isn't able to get into those deeper states of, of uh, that, that are required for meditation. So I think one requirement is no sound. You sit quietly. And then, so spine straight, sitting down, no external stimulus. Then you have to pick some object to meditate on, whatever that is. It can be a mantra, right? A lot of uh, yoga techniques involved working on a mantra. Uh, let's say om, right? Your mind wanders, you think of om and you come back to om. It can be an image. It can be... Um, imagination of something it can be you know a a deity or an icon that you visualize it doesn't really matter so as long as you're quiet with no external stimulus you have some object of meditation that you're coming to and you're sitting with your spine straight that works very well for a lot of uh the vipassana style meditation i think they use their breath so the object of meditation is the breath every time the mind wanders come back to noticing your inhale and noticing your exhale so the technique doesn't matter as long as you have these few requirements satisfied. Hmm. Okay. So then is there 
like an ideal length of time or is it just, okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Want to know the number one money question I'm asked? It's how to get started investing without being overwhelmed. So if you're asking yourself the same question, then you have to check out the Investing for Beginners podcast. The hosts, Dave and Andrew, they break down investment terms and strategies in a way you can finally understand. I love that they're making investing accessible and they have an entire podcast dedicated to helping you invest better. Even if you're not ready to start investing, they explain the stock market and financial updates so you can really understand what is being said on the news. If you're ready to learn more about investing, I'd recommend you start with two of my favorite episodes. Listener Q&A, how do you start investing with a thousand bucks, where they explain how you get started right away, and back to basics of building your portfolio, where they explain how to build a portfolio from scratch. The Investing for Beginners podcast is a great way to start expanding your relationship with money. Find Investing for Beginners podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, yeah. literally, if you can take a couple minutes, that's that's yeah. beauty. Exactly. I, I think it's, you know, think about it like working out, right? When you first start working out, you, you do shorter things. So you don't overtax your, your uh, physical system. Same thing with meditation. Somebody starting out, you know, aim for three minutes, five minutes, as long as it's daily, right? And, and it's, you know, some people are like, well, I'm just going to do yoga on the weekends or once a week in the studio. It's sort of like saying I'm going to brush my teeth once a week, right? So it's like instead of brushing two minutes in the morning, two minutes in the afternoon, in the evening, I'm going to brush for an hour on Saturdays. It's not going to work out. Like you have to have a daily cleansing of the teeth, same way meditation is a daily cleansing of your energy channels. And so it's better to do five minutes a day than to do 30 minutes once a week. So think about it that way. And then uh, once you've meditated for, let's say, five minutes a day for, for a few weeks, you're going to start noticing things and you're going to start noticing how quickly that time goes and you're going to naturally want to do a little bit longer. And so, yeah, so wait, tell me a little bit, like, like what are we going to start noticing in, in even our bodies and our brains? Well, I think um, the, one of the things that, that my clients seem to notice very quickly is a different sort of way of reacting to, to challenges and stress in the day. So, you know, initially, like there would be something stressful that happened and the person would react immediately, whereas they're able to take a little bit more of a pause and sort of observe the situation before reacting. Um, and that can that can be quite miraculous, right? For, you know, somebody says something that upsets you and you just have a little bit of a pause before you react. That can change things. Um, you start to have a pause before you make decisions. You start to make decisions from a much more I guess, calmer um, place of witnessing awareness. That, that's what it's called in the yoga tradition, witnessing awareness where you're doing an activity 
but you can observe yourself from the outside doing that same activity. You start to have more of that show up in your life. And in a way, you, um, you're not lost in the activity you're doing inside of your body. You're able to see it from the outside. Mm. Yeah, that's powerful. Like to be able to make those shifts and that pause that you talk about. It seems so simple <laughs> and yet it's difficult to do. And so when you do it, you know, I often tell people that when you're making money decisions, you can't make money decisions or good money decisions when you're stressed or anxious or fearful. You know, so, you know, thinking about meditation, even just I'm encouraging everyone listening just to try it and see if you can get, you know, bring in a little bit more peace and ease, but find those moments of pause where you can, you know, think about things before you have a reaction and before you say or before you do something, it really can be life-changing. You know, it's certainly not going to change immediately the amount of money you have in your bank account, but it can change the trajectory of what you do with what you have. And I wanted to ask you too, you talked about working with clients. Um, Tell me a little bit about, you know, how do you help businesses meditate better? And then you know, how does that overall like help a business? Well, I think in, in large corporations, the, the data is quite clear that when they have uh, groups within the company that are regular meditators, the efficiency, the productivity, the resilience, all of that improves. So I think the, the research is pretty clear on the efficiency side of it. So I think companies are incentivized a little bit to have their employees meditate just because it, it, uh, it improves the overall business, right? But uh, for me, when I work with clients, part of it is is having developing that resilience, developing that connection to inner wisdom, right? Instead of just walking around as a bunch of muscles, bones, joints with this big emotional mind going around, we're bringing in this third layer of our being, this this higher consciousness, right? And so when you make decisions as a business leader from a place of deeper consciousness, it, it's better for everybody, right? And so if your emotions and your intellectual mind are the only things driving the ship, um, you know, as we've seen in many corporations, that's a big problem, right? And we've we've even shifted in the corporate uh, mentality from, it used to be all about IQ, who's got the best IQ, that's the person you put in charge, to who's got the better EQ, emotional intelligence, and you put those people in charge. And now we're shifting to SQ, which is spiritual intelligence. Like, can this person see the bigger capital B picture? Are they operating from the capital Y U, like you said earlier on, are they ap- operating from a deeper place? Do they have the resilience to withstand the, the challenges that inevitably come with with uh, business cycles? Wow, I mean, it's so it's so fascinating when you think about it, and you think about the power of how they can change so many different things and help so many different people. And you know, going a little bit further on your your journey, you went from an engineer to yoga, meditation expert, author, coach, everything that you do, how did you decide to make this transition to, you know, make meditation and yoga something that you really wanted to use to help everyone listening, everybody find this balance between money, happiness, and passions? Well, I don't know if I chose or it was chosen for me (laughs) by factors beyond my control. Um, You know, I grew up similar to you in in a family that was very much success oriented. And, you know, what's your position? What's your salary? How much money do you make? That is sort of the marker of success. And so I took that as my marching orders and I went and got, you know, an engineering degree and then worked as an engineer. Then I got an MBA and went into the executive ranks. And I was basically aiming for all of the positions of power. So I wanted to be a CEO, making a big salary and being in charge of lots of stuff. And I was definitely on that track, being groomed for that. Um, and I found that, you know, my, I mean, one thing that I guess two smart things that I did along my career. One is I maintained a solid yoga and meditation practice every morning, no matter what, for, you know, over 20 years. So wow. I'd get up early in the morning, I'd do my yoga practice, I'd do my meditation practice as a way to be a better leader, right? It was, and, and, you know, sadly enough for good or bad, my yoga and meditation practice were to help me become more successful as an executive. That's, that was my motivation. Um, and so then I did experience a lot of success and I had, I I guess the second thing that I did really well was I would increase my income, but not, not change my lifestyle. So I remember there was a point when my income had probably tripled, quadrupled from where I was with, you know, stock options and executive uh, bonuses 
but I never changed my lifestyle. I, I kept the same type of home, the same type of car, the same type of expenses and all that excess money. I was just, you know, investing away and helping that grow to eventually do something. Right. I didn't know what. Then um, I had a pretty difficult decision at a company where I, I realized that to, to get to the next level, I would have to compromise who, who I really was. And so I didn't want to make that compromise. And I thought a startup was the way to sort of go a different way. So I ended up um, starting a startup company and going through the whole process of building an early product, building early revenue, uh, raising capital, and went through yeah, any of your listeners that have been through a startup, it is it is a grind. It's it's brutal. <laughs> but I thought that was a way to make, you know, true success, make gobs and gobs of money, be the boss and um, and and find success and happiness. But it wasn't fulfilling at all. In fact, it was misery. Um, and I sort of emerged from that wondering, what should I really do with my life? And I remember going to my yoga teacher, who, whose name happens to be Vish, Yog Rishi. <laughs> Vishwaketu is his name, Vishwaketu. We, we, we wrote the book. He, he advised on the book, uh, The Business Casual Yogi. And so I went to him and he's this Indian Himalayan yogi. And I said, you know, I said, Vishwaketu, I'm really struggling with my business. You know, what should I do? Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm feeling at a loss here. And he said, and my Indian name is Vishwajit. So he said, oh, Vishwajit, you do more yoga business. Your business will be okay. And I didn't know what he meant. <laughs> what, what do you mean yoga business? <laughs> what is yoga business? But I started to think about what that might look like. And somebody actually around that time reached out to me for some coaching. And, you know, I was an entrepreneur and somebody says, hey, would you coach me? I didn't actually know what coaching was, but I thought, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm going to say yes. Yes, sure. Happy to coach you. And so I had my first coaching client without really knowing what coaching was. Um, I thought it was advising. So I gave lots of advice. But it worked out really well. And that first client of mine referred me to somebody else and somebody else. And all of a sudden, I had this growing coaching business, even though I didn't quite know what coaching was, and this completely failing startup. So I said, you know what? <laughs> it's clear. It's clear that coaching is really where I need to go. And so I started to get some education. I went to UC Berkeley and did their executive coaching training program and learned that coaching is not advising. It's actually recognizing the wisdom in the client and helping facilitate that wisdom out of them. I went and did my yoga teacher training in India. I did my Ayurveda training. I did some Vedic astrology training. I sort of brought together my own blend and emerged from all of that as an East meets West coach. So Eastern philosophy meets Western management thinking. Um, and now I've been at it for six years and it is it is my groove. I've, I finally found myself you know, late into my career, <laughs> 20 plus years into it. But that's great. I love that story. And I think it's really important for everyone listening to hear that, to hear that, you know, you were striving just like I was early in my career for the titles and the success. I have an MBA too. And um, my husband also often jokes like, how many initials are you going to have after your name? <laughs> um, but that was like the measure of success. But coming back to this, this core area of you know, the, these things that you love to do that, um, you know, provide for you and kind of letting go of that, that vision and embracing another one. So, you know, I think at least for me, this year is all about really bringing in a positive mindset, cultivating habits that just help me feel more fulfilled in all of my areas of life. And I would imagine everyone listening is feeling the same thing. So if they're, if they're listening vision, they're like, okay, yes, I want to do this, but 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 how? Do you have you know maybe a few action steps or a checklist or something as we as we kind of close out to help everyone move from a place of of stress, anxiety around money, careers, their life, whatever it might be, into this place of feeling, yeah, you know, a little bit more ease, a little bit more centered, a little bit more balanced. I mean, my my approach all of this time was always being very clear about my financial situation. And, and my, when I was growing up, my mom always said, you know, cut your coat according to the cloth you have. So cut your coat according to the cloth you have. And in those days, you know, people wore tailored suits. So um, <laughs> what she meant was, you know, depending on how much cloth you bought, that's the only you know type of coat that you can make. And so you can only make decisions in your life based on the financial platform that you have available. And it's not going to be somebody else's, right? At the end of the day, in this society, we're always looking at the neighbor or looking at somebody else and saying, well, why don't I have what they have? 
forget about that. That's just a waste of time. What do you have? What's available to you? And are you living within the, that those means? And so when I thought that I might do a startup and I wanted to exit a corporate job to do a startup, I probably started planning for that decision two years prior to my actual exit. I knew I was frustrated. I knew I might do something different, but I started financially planning for that. So that means, you know, diligently putting money away, diligently investing, and also realizing like, what is the runway that I need to do a startup company? Like how much, what are my expenses and how many months of expenses do I have saved up for that? So I think always being very aware of the financial platform that then allows you to make the choices. I think that was a big thing for me. Um, and even now that, you know, I'm able to live this life and, and, and be an executive coach making probably a fifth of what I made in my corporate days, but still very comfortable because I'm always very, you know, clear about what is my budget, what are expenses, how much am I making, how much I'm making off investments from, from those decisions prior. So I think it's having that, that keen eye towards finances is probably the biggest thing. Well, this has been so amazing, Vish. Thank you for, for sharing all your wisdom, taking us on this journey. I would love for you to tell everyone listening, if they want to connect with you, if they want to pick up a copy of your book, The Business Casual Yogi, where do they go? Yes, yeah, so The Business Casual Yogi is available at, at any of your bookstores, uh, Amazon. Uh, you, can, you can buy it on Amazon easily. Uh, and the independent bookstores carry it as well. And then to find me, my website is headandheartinsights.com. So head as in your head and heartinsights.com. Um, or you can just Google my name, Vish Chatterjee, and you'll find me on the web. I know the idea of yoga and meditation, it doesn't seem on the surface like those things help you be better with your money and help you get closer to your goals. But I'm telling you, they do. Money is not just about the numbers in your accounts. Being good with your money is about how you interact with the money you have. Yoga and meditation, as Vish talked about, there are mechanisms to help your brain chill the F out, get centered, and tame some of your money stress. Even just a few minutes a day really does help. So why not give it a try? Like, what can it hurt? If you want to learn more about Vish, you can find his book, The Business Casual Yogi, anywhere books are sold. And his website is headandheartinsights.com, where you can learn more about him and all of his amazing programs. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone else who you know ah, needs to bring in a little balance this year. As always, you can head to the show notes for all those links to our episode guests, as well as the sponsors who make this show possible. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC.